You know, there there are some days when just you're you're led to know that certain passages need to be read by someone who is not you. And so I thought about this the closer and closer we got to Sunday and I was uh, looking at these words of the Magnificat. I think I'm not the person to read these. Um, this, I think, is a time and a season where it needs to be read by someone who more personally embodies the character and the situation that was going. So I've asked Meg Phillips uh, to read our passage for us um, so that she may embody the words of Mary. So, Meg, thank you so much for reading for us. And Mary said, I'm bursting with good news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Amen. Thank you, Meg. So as we hear these words, we hear both a combination of joy, but also awareness that we experienced through Mary that she knew hardship. She had seen it firsthand. She had experienced it. She had experienced it throughout her community. And this was a part of her faith, not just that things were going to be great for her personally, but that that greatness was going to be shared throughout the community. In fact, throughout the world, because she had seen and experienced so many of the challenges and the hardships that were going through so many lives. And so this is part of what she was getting ready for. She was getting ready for a great time, not just for her personally, but how this joy was going to be spread out throughout the world. And as we go farther along, we probably have that joy, at least in one sense or another. We have that excitement. We have that anticipation. We may even have that vision of how great the day is going to be. So as I have mentioned before several times, I've been having this great vision of Christmas literally since the summer and been sharing that vision with uh, some folks, maybe more uh, than they would have uh, stood. But, um, you know, when you're excited about something, you want to share it with everyone, right? And you share the idea, the vision of how glorious it's going to be. And then most of us have probably had that experience that when we get closer to that time and we get closer to that celebration, it is not as bright and as shining as our minds have made it to be. And I would, I'll admit, I've even been experiencing this myself, especially on a dreary weekend like this, right? This is not really the Christmassy kind of weather that we want to be celebrating, but I'll always say it's a lot better than snow. But we have those seasons, right? After, you know, some time goes by and, it, you know, we're, we're kind of realizing maybe it's not going to be what I thought it's going to be. Or we realize, you know, this check that we wrote months ago, now we have to cash it. We're not really sure that we're up to the challenge. And this is what happens in any season that we have to get ready, especially for something big. We know it's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun, too. And then as we get closer and especially in the middle of it, it seems as though many times the work outweighs the fun. 
And in the season of getting ready, maybe we're in the moment where things get real. I can't tell you how many people have said to me this morning, you know, I haven't gotten my Christmas shopping done or I haven't gotten my Christmas wrapping done or I still have cards. I still have this. I still have this. And I'm right there with everybody else. We're kind of getting down to the wire, right? And we're no longer in this time of, oh, Christmas is going to be so great. Great. Now we may be thinking, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to do it? And then surprises happen that we didn't anticipate and things happen out of turn and off schedule. And now we're wondering, you know, can Christmas be really as great as it's supposed to be? Because now it's getting real. And maybe real is different than exciting. And maybe that's part of the experience of trying to pull off something like uh, Christmas. Because now we're in the moments when things are getting real, they're no longer exciting, and maybe we're experiencing what happens when that vision becomes a reality and we're not sure we can do it. And then we get tired, and we get frustrated, and we know that there's always more to do, and, and we feel as though maybe we're losing the luster, and if we hear Frank Sinatra one more time, that's just going to be it. Because now it seems like work. Right now, now we have to actually, you know, put together all this stuff that we said that we wanted to do stuff that we committed to people who we said, you know, yeah, it'll be great. No problem. And now it seems like it's just work. And the reality is sometimes work is not fun. And in, in our postmodern season, we try to talk about, you know, do what you're passionate about, um, you know, do what you love. But the reality is even the stuff that we love and are passionate about, sometimes it just feels like work. It's not fun. It's not alluring. It's not postable. It's not shareable. We can't talk about it at a fundraiser or a rally. It's not something that's going to gain us any notoriety or congratulations or special attention. Sometimes it is just work. I remember a story. I think it was a bishop told this story about working in a soup kitchen and he was in the back and he was washing dishes and, you know, scrubbing all of these huge pots. And someone noticed him, noticed him for who he was. And he's and they said, oh, it's so great that you're back here, you know, doing dishes and you must love this so much. And, and we're just so proud of you. And he said, what makes you think I love doing this? Sometimes we do the work that just simply needs to be done regardless of how we feel. Sometimes, uh, an artist told me this once, sometimes you just have to sweep the floor. Just let that sink in for a second. Sometimes you just need to sweep the floor. And that is when it gets real. And I do believe that Mary knew this. She knew what it meant to get things ready. She knew what it meant to just simply do the work because it needed to be done. And she knew how to do this in the midst of hardship. So why this song? Why this song that seems to go on and on and on? How could Mary sing a song like this in the midst of what she had been experiencing? Because as we get ready and as things get real, We admit that there are those times, even in the holidays, where we do not feel the spirit. We do not feel the excitement. We do not feel the anticipation. We do not feel the joy. We may feel distraught. We may feel confused. We may feel wandering. And not just in our own circumstances, but especially as we hear the circumstances going on around us. 
the continued war between Israel and Hamas and all the lives that have been lost. And where is this going? When will it end? And that's on the other side of the planet to say nothing about what's going on in our own communities, in our own circles, in our own lives. We may even be asking the question, why am I not able to sing that song? The song of a mother joyous for the birth of her child. Why was I not able to sing? There's a story of an old God who awakes after being asleep for thousands of years. And as this old God uh, comes above the earth, uh, the old God goes to reclaim its kingdom to rule the world once again and finds that its kingdom has been long forgotten and its statues of itself have been left to crumble to ashes. And as the God is stuck with no one to believe in it, no one to worship it, it wonders, well, what am I supposed to do now? And the one human who has found this God and who was trying to shepherd it, it just kind of listens to this old God processing its grief. In fact, it says, we cling to what is gone. Is there anything in this life but grief? And the human says, there's love. There's hope that you will find something worthy, that your life will lead to some joy, that after everything, you will still be surprised. And the old God says, is that enough? Is that enough to go on? What keeps us going? What keeps this real? For us. What keeps God real? In our Methodist tradition and in our faith, in our theology, we talk a lot about disciplines. And that's not really a fun word to share, especially during Christmas. No one wants to hear about disciplines. But another word is practices. The things that we do to embody the faith that we experience, the things that we do to carry out what it is that we are experiencing, things like communion, like baptism, these outward visible signs of an inward spiritual grace that is sometimes so inward that it is even invisible. And so how do we see it? How do we experience it? How do we live it again? These practices whether it's communion or baptism or congregational worship or singing hymns or prayers or Bible studies or mission projects, whatever it is, sometimes they do not feel real. Sometimes in the midst of doing them, we do not feel real. And they may just feel like work. Some seasons, they're just dead. There are going to be times when it is not there, when we do not feel it. So how do we go on? I had a conversation last week about uh, whether or not it is good for Christians to believe in Santa Claus. Why devote that kind of attention to someone like Santa when maybe it should be saved for God or for Christ? And the reality is the belief in Santa Claus is one of the last traditions that we really have in today's culture. 
Because the practice that we put into it, the things that we do, the things that we prepare for, helps us to remember what it is to find joy in the midst of that kind of magic. Because our faith, especially nowadays, can seem so formulaic. It can seem so much about our head and our mind and about convincing ourselves and thus others about what these things are and the words that need to be true. And our creeds can turn into arguments. This can happen sometimes in confirmation, for example, when middle school uh, individuals are ready to take that next step in their faith and we think, oh, good, now we're just going to give you all of this information so that you can know You can know for yourselves and you can confirm that you believe in all this stuff that we have given you. And in the midst of all of this, some may be thinking, well, but why would I give my life? Why would I give my life to all of this info? This is why we need rituals. It's why we need practices, things that we can do when those words fail. And I don't know if anyone here has not experienced that, but words sometimes fail us. The faith that we are told sometimes does not work when life gets too big and too fast and too difficult and too overwhelming for those words to make any difference. But the faith that we live the faith that we practice, the faith that we experience goes beyond all of those words and all of those creeds. And that is magic. That is spirit. And those practices and those rituals, they come alive again. They're resurrected. And so are we. Scott Erickson, who is a worship design artist, uh, recently um, put out a string of thoughts about Mary and about the birth. Maybe some of you have seen this, but I want to share with you some of what he wrote. It's assumed that Mary rode on a donkey, but the Bible doesn't say she did. It's assumed there was an innkeeper, but it doesn't mention one anywhere. It's assumed there were three magi, but it doesn't give a number of those who showed up. It's assumed that Jesus was born in a stable, but all it says is that he was laid in a manger. Christmas comes with many assumptions, some helpful, some not so much. Spirituality also comes with many assumptions, and the ones that fail us are the ones we make about what it's supposed to look like about who is worthy for it to happen to and what kind of outcomes it's supposed to have for us. Our assumptions hinder our spiritual journey in all kinds of ways. And the antidote to assumption is surprise. The surprise of Christ's incarnation is that it happened in Mary's day as it is happening every day in our lack of resources, our overcrowded lodgings, our unlit night skies, our humble surroundings. It's a surprise that life can come through barren places. It's a surprise that meek nobodies partake in divine plans. It's a surprise that messengers are sent all along the hidden journey of life to let us know we are not alone. It is a surprise 
that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Our assumptions may believe that something can, but surprise, nothing can. Through all of this, through all this work, through all this exhaustion, through all the frustration, through all of the heartbreak, surprise. We thank you so much for worshiping with us today. For those who are staying for lunch, and I hope it's all of you, um, the food is here. We're going to get that set up. Um, we'll do banquet style on the table. So if folks can help kind of get these uh, chairs out of the way, we'll uh, put tables together in the, the mid area. And uh, just know that we want you here uh, to be a part of this love feast with us. So whether you brought something or not, that doesn't matter. What matters is you are loved and we are going to celebrate that. So let me offer a blessing and then we'll get the room prepared so that we can enjoy this time together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for those who are gathered here, wherever they may be. We're thankful for those who have brought food, and may it be blessed and nourished to our bodies, that we may be a blessing and nourishment to each other. And especially as we go forth in the Advent season, we acknowledge and lift up that sometimes it gets hard, and it gets real, and we're not sure we can pull it off. Let us remember the story of how it was that Mary shared with us what it is that you will continue to do in our lives, and may that, simply that, bring us joy and may we be joyful in who we are and the love that we can share with each other we pray all of this in the name of god emmanuel with us amen